Harvard graduate, Mitzi Perdue has got to watch Mega Wealth up close and personal. Her father, Ernest Henderson, was co-founder and president of the Sheraton Hotel chain. And her late husband, Frank Perdue, founded the third largest poultry company in the U.S. She herself is a war correspondent with 21 published articles on Ukraine. She'll be returning to Ukraine in July to attend and write about Land Mine Clearing School. Mitzi provides unique insights on success and also the war in Ukraine. As a guest at the Kiev Regional Police, she was able to see sites that are off limits to other journalists. Please welcome Mitzi Perdue. Well, you know, we just started talking and I am really excited. You already heard the intro about Mitzi and we just started sharing our lives and I started talking about what I did in my youth where I gave up all my possessions, walked like Christ, barefoot across America, no shoes, no script, no purse. I had a bowl and a spoon and um, a robe. And like sannyasis in India, similar, we were nonviolent, right? Married to God. So so we were celibate, like monks, right? And non-materialistic. So literally not identifying to the flesh, identifying to the spirit. And putting ourselves in, in a position to be of service. And we'd literally, because we were living nomadically, we'd live split up in twos and threes, like similar to the disciples 2,000 years ago, we would be led into towns. And, you know, like we went down into Central America, hundreds of people would come out into cities as we went through. They were seeing us in dreams and visions. This was back oh. in, the, in the 70s. And... We were, it was amazing. And there, and there was a lot of us going through all over the world. And so we were living in faith. And, and when I, when I grew up, you know, I was, I wanted to know God more than anything. So I was seeking the truth and, and, you know, going to school, getting married and having kids and dying really bothered me. The dying part bothered me because I felt that I was more than, the flesh. I had eternal life, but I didn't really understand it. I was brought up Jewish, so I didn't have all the different pieces. And I studied all the religions. But as a result, I ended up meeting a man and brothers and sisters that were living, literally take no shoes, no script, no purse and go amongst the people and live in faith. We didn't work for money. We didn't work for any material things. And we just listened and learned how to listen to the spirit inside. And I lived that way 15, 20 years. It was the most amazing experience of my life. And so when I came back from my mountaintop experience and came back into the world, I ended up as a paralegal helping people with living trusts. So I came in the money world from a different angle. Right, right. And see, and I really resonated with you because of your heart of giving and so, and you'll, you'll appreciate this because when I started, 
I wasn't thinking about making money. I was thinking about how can I get these living trusts to everybody because they needed them. They'd been around since the Middle Ages. Nobody knew about them. And the, guy, the attorney I worked for was charging $5,000 to a widow that didn't have any money. That really bothered me. So oh. I, I did it, right? Mitzi, $199 back then. The attorneys were so mad at me, you know, because it broke, I love it. broke it. It broke it. So I'm not bragging. I give glory to God. But I was one of the first people in Southern California to do a workshop that wasn't an attorney. I wasn't giving legal advice, but I was just showing what's the difference between a will and a trust. And then people think trusts are the end of the life. No, they're not. You have your power of attorney for health care. Hello, pandemic, financial, et cetera. So that's how I got started. And then I'm, I, I was able to learn and see things that the system was really set up. And this is the saddest thing. I haven't really even articulated this much, Mitzi, but I found out that most people that aren't blessed like you are, that have a lot of wealth, right, honestly, will end up losing their money before they pass away in a nursing home, in probate, or the Great Recession. And <sighs> it makes me cry. I have some stories I could write books about what regular people go through. Because the money system is really set up to break people, not enhance people. And because of that mountaintop experience, it forced me to dig deeper and learn about safe money. So I do things differently than most people. And I have to thank you for inviting me to turn the, the record button on. Because normally I just go right into, you know, my beautiful guests and talk about you and I'm Lately, just promoting everybody because I want to help support. I heard you on C-Suite talking about your give back, and and I really resonated with that. And I have the breath of life, and I figured as long as I'm here, I want to be able to be to do what I can to help, right? In a big way. And I mean, I'm talking about millions of people that we can shift the legacies. We can shift the way that people are thinking. We could shift the way that people were brought up by simple actions. So with that being said, I invited you on. And, you know, you 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 have a really amazing story. And you, you, you titled this, and I always ask my guests, well, if this is your mastermind, what would you title it? And, and you, you had a very interesting title about you know, you've written a book, right, with Victor, Mark Victor Hansen and the success secrets behind the chicken soups for the soul, half a billion copies, right? And and talking about those principles, which in essence, all of these high level principles really are when you learn how to listen to the spirit inside, you, you you'll get that connection because everybody's got it. It's not I'm better or you're worse or higher. There's no higher or lower into it. But but those spirit techniques are available to everybody. And when you give, you receive. So that's what inspired me to have you on this show. And and you know, you've had the privilege of of observing mega success and you know, close up, right, with your your dad's involvement with a Sheraton hotel chain and, you know, your husband, your late husband with all of his success. And 
So you have quite a unique, you know, you're unique in how you were brought up, right? And and honestly, I was brought up in that similar way and I didn't really realize that not everybody is in the 1%. And so I kind of had to go kind of down with people and just leave it all. And I guess that's part of what pushed me into that so that I could have a reality check and then see where I could really serve the most, right? So, Well, I love the word serve that you just used because to me, that's the purpose of life, serving one another. And I also love what you just said because I have a theory, which is that the greatest gift one person can give another is inspiration. And your story is inspirational. Somebody who's willing for the sake of finding out what it's all about to walk barefoot without money and without sex mm, for 15 years. (laughs) That's commitment. (laughs) Really more like 20. Some, they're actually. Actually, I I, I can imagine the barefoot and I can imagine the no money. uh, That third one, uh, (laughs) that would be hard. It would be unless you were filled with an ecstatic, overwhelming flow of joy. Joy is different than being happy. You know, I'm happy, right? But happy is like a temporal, has a beginning and end. But a joy, the joy, the spirit, the joy of the Lord, it's like this, oh, it's like a waterfall because it, it's ecstatic, all right? It, right? But that's like Mother Teresa's, the the quote from Mother Teresa. Mother Teresa, probably most people know most of this, but her vow of poverty meant that she only owned four physical items, things that you could touch. And three of those were cotton saris. And by the way, they were the saris that were made by lepers. So these weren't like, I don't know, Givenchy saris. No, they they were woven by lepers. And the sandals on her feet. So four physical possessions, three saris. I guess you could count the shoes as two. Maybe she had five. But in any case, uh, she also had a, a, a she had a vow of poverty, a vow of uh, celibacy, and obedience. With all those, what to most of us would seem like sacrifices, she described her life as quote a feast of unending joy. Exactly. And she also used to say the more that you can push aside selfishness and kind of want, uh, the more room there is for the spirit to fill your soul. Yes, that's that's exactly what happened. And, And I was filled with that where there was no desire. I mean, I, I didn't have the desire for sex. Doesn't mean that I didn't have it. I haven't had it or didn't have it. But at that time when I was living that life, it was removed. And the identification, by cutting the things off on the outside, it takes you inside because we're all born with a certain pair of glasses on, right? And by taking the, the, the conceptions of what we were born in and just setting them aside, it drives you inside. Some, you know, some people go on top of the Himalayas and sit there and try to meditate themselves to God or something. But this is an actual just living your life in harmony with all living things. So the nonviolence was because all, you know, the lion will lay down with the lamb. Eventually it will happen. There will be peace on earth. There will be a few wars before we get there. We're there now. But the point is that 
that's the way it's supposed to be in harmony where there is no violence there is no killing we that that you're connected with everything this world is a dim light of what was created in the beginning it's like a light bulb that just got turned way down and because of people's choices so we're getting the choice now to go go back to the garden go back to peace on earth and and this movie that we're in is to show people what do you want and it's really i mean they're writing a book about it called barefoot across america but it's really like you know the bible in the sense of living totally in faith i never went hungry and we got some wild stories we were chased by the kkk really uh, seriously back we were we were we were sitting, we were walking down the road. It was about 13 of us. We were in South Carolina and about in the 70s, early 70s. And, and you know, you can see these people in robes and, and it didn't look like a KKK. They were white robes, but, you know, we had um, a sleeping bag on our side and a, a little bag with a bowl and a spoon. And then these beer guys came and they started throwing beer cans and we we're going to come back and put your, hang your you-know-what up right? They were going to, we're going to, we're going to kill you guys. And we just kept walking and they threw their beer cans at us. So we kept walking. And then, then they came back again. Hey, you get out of here, you, and you know, and they cursed at us. And then finally we found this field. And back in those days, you used to be able to travel and camp out different places a lot more open than it is now. So we just rolled out in this field and one of the brothers was sitting there eating potato chips. Okay. And all of a sudden, I look, and this whole town, all these cars come out. And then you see these people coming out. It's just dusk. And you can see all these cars. And they're coming out with shotguns, nooses. Why were you so threatening to them? Why is the light threatening to darkness? It really is the same in the world. And if you push against the powers that be, you will become outcast. Look what's happening in the political world. If you don't agree with this side, then this side's going to shut you down. And that's yeah. what happens, right? Yeah. And the darkness doesn't like the light. And the light is taking over. Ha ha, sorry, that's the way it is. That's just it. But there's a lot of darkness that people are walking through to get to that place because you get to make your own decision. It isn't done for you. You do it by right listening to and 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 obeying the right voice, right, and 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 going with the right flow. Because there's two flows going on right now. Anyway, to make a long story short, this is supposed to be about your story, but anyway, to make a long story short, all of a sudden this guy's coming out. He's got these flashlights. And he's they're walking and he's coming towards us and maybe he's a hundred feet from where we are. He shines the flashlight and I'm on the ground. You know, I'm uh, flat on my face and my heart is in my throat. It's like I'm so scared. You know, it wasn't like I was all enlightened. <laughs> and the guy shining the flashlight on the brother is sitting up there, sees him, right? The flashlight is right on us. And we are blanked out. They did not see us. They went away. Bye-bye. And so the next morning, we walked up. All the people left. Oh, thank God we were saved. We walked into this little town, and there was this little widow in her little shack, invited us in, gave us her last piece of bread and a bowl of beans for our breakfast, and we talked about God. 
And it was like, it was like so beautiful, the simple people that, right? And that's, and that's, that's our arc there because those are the people we're, we're supposed to take care of each other. And some of us are more blessed or some of us have different things and we can work together on this. If we unite, we can work together on this. And so that's why I had you in the show because your heart, I mean, you don't have, you don't need, you're not trying to prove yourself. I mean, I can sense that, you know, you have a great resume of all the things and who you are and right. But you're really, I felt the legitimacy of what you're doing. You know, you're, 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 uh, going to Ukraine and, and learning about mines, right? Walking on out. <laughs> Tell oh, me about that. What's going on with that? What is okay. that? Okay. Uh, next month will, the, next month will be my third trip to Ukraine. <laughs> Give me a second to sip some coffee. Ashley, sure. Screw. Sure. Absolutely. Yes. It will be my third trip to Ukraine as a war correspondent. And I have a unique view from other journalists because I I was invited to begin with, and I keep going back to the Ukrainian police. And that's, you know, lots of journalists, lots of war correspondents, um, you know, they're they're on the battlefront or maybe they're talking with NGOs. But I found what the police are doing is particularly interesting. And it enabled me to break some stories that I'm really proud of. Uh, they've told me that I that up to now that I'm the only journalist who just really focused on what the role the police play in the war. And this isn't widely known, but Russia has invaded eight other countries in the since 1992. Uh, there's only been four years when they haven't been at war with one of their neighbors. Yeah, it's a bellicose country, and they have a playbook. Whenever they invade a country, one of the first things they do is they open the prisons, and then they destroy the police stations. They uh, they bomb the police stations. They they destroy the communications. They they steal or destroy the cars, and they hunt down and kill the policemen. Now, you might wonder, why would they do this? And they do it because it's an effort to demoralize people. It magnifies your sense of, you know, your sense of security and safety is just ripped away when, A, your country's being invaded, and B, there's nobody you can call when, when somebody is looting your store. Uh, well, so I... I've been writing about those stories, and the story that I broke that I'm really proud of is, I think it's generally known now that, that Russia is kidnapping Ukrainian children and taking them to Russia. Uh, you're aware of that? I'm aware of a lot of the children's stories from all sides, not just Russia, but I mean, I, it's a plague. It was so much bigger it turns okay, my but, stomach it, to hear about it. Yeah. Yeah. In the case of Ukraine, the <sighs> the police, because yeah, the police collect information on on war crimes, and they say there are two hundred thousand Ukrainian children that have been taken to Russia and adopted. Mm. They're taught to hate their parents. They're taught to hate their country. They grow up speaking Russian. And can you imagine the anguish of of a parent whose child has been ripped away? And you might ask, why do the Russians do it? 
Well, they've got two motives. One is, again, to demoralize people. The other part is Russia has a terrible depopulation problem. They, in, in the last like 20 years, they've lost 2 million. Uh, their population has decreased by 2 million. And by kidnapping the Ukrainian children on an industrial scale, uh, these are the Ukrainians kind of look like them and hmm. often they speak the language. And it's just an easy way to, for them to help solve their population problem. Yeah, uh, well, that's crazy. Uh, I've, heard, I've heard nasty stories that, that you know, the, about those police people. And it's, um, it's the Ukrainian police are fighting against it. It's the Russians, right. it's the Russian soldiers who are they kidnapping were, kids. And they're they're released from prisons. They they're just releasing all these people from the prisons and they're like animals. And war is just stupid and I always hated it. And I mean it, you're never gonna solve anything that way. Period. I don't no one's gonna convince me of that's ridiculous. So you got I mean, this is what? Sorry. Well, one of the things that the Russians have done, and again, you know, the police happen to know an awful lot about this because it, it comes under things that they do something about, and that is landmines. Uh, the thing that you step on and it goes boom and you go boom. Yeah, um, right. <laughs> right now, 40% of the agricultural land of Ukraine is so heavily contaminated with landmines that you can't produce a crop on it. 40%. Yeah, and that's going to have implications throughout the world because that means that countries like Bangladesh, Indonesia, oh. Egypt, Pakistan are not going to get the grain that they were expecting. Right. And but then but then the evil goes, you know, we've been talking about goodness, but goodness uh the what needs doing I mean, there's a million things that need doing, but what, what I focus on the moment is landmine clearance, because among the things that the Russians do with landmines, they, they mine children's playgrounds. They, or they'll leave, I mean, I've seen pictures of this. They'll leave around high schools. Uh, I pretend that my hand is a cell phone. When you press the cell phone, it's actually not a real cell phone, or it's it's a deactivated one, and inside is plastique. You turn the thing on, and it explodes, and you lose your face. Ugh. Or the or the or the the landmines that they target children with, they have it's roughly ten grams of explosives. That's to to give a feeling for that. That's like what ten paper clips weigh. So why would they have such a small amount of explosive on something where, where kids congregate? Well, because they want to take off the foot of the child, and it does. And that way, it, it has several advantages for evil people. It means, you know, demoralization for the parents. The child is maimed for life. And then it means from the Russian point of view that the parents are home taking care of the kids, not out defending the country. And it's a terrible strain on the uh, on the medical system of, of Ukraine. So, you know, what what I want to do is get rid of landmines. And I've started. I mean, I write about it right and left. I'm going to the landmine clearing school, uh, and I've started a crowdfunding effort 
It's called donorsc.com forward slash Ukraine. And donor is like I'm giving, D-O-N-O-R. And C is like I see you.com forward slash Ukraine. <clears throat> it, the, the pay scales in Ukraine are so different from what we can imagine. $300,000 will pay for 18 people for half a year to do landmine clearing. And that means probably thousands and thousands of people aren't going to be maimed and killed for life. It means that farms can be recovered. And the goal is 300000 And we're just like, yeah, maybe $500 short of 100000 today. So it's, it's, it's really taking off. People care. I'm sure. I'm sh- and I'm sure you'll, you'll have way more than that because, because it's a noble cause. And I mean, who, you know, who can think like, I mean, imagine that somebody can even think into doing those evil things. And, you know, God bless you for caring enough to rally around it, to get people to activate, to do that, because it's going to have to be done, right? No, I mean, the, um, I was talking with the head of the organization that the money's going to. It's called the Halo Trust. Mm-hmm. And if, if you're old enough, you might remember that Princess Diana. I was, was going to say that, yeah. Yeah. Actually, something so cool. I just love it. Um, <laughs> Princess Diana was there at the beginning of, of the Halo Trust, and it's been... I think we're talking, oh, I'm losing track of time, 32 years since, well, and it's since she walked across a minefield. Yeah. Um, Netflix is going to come cover this, and and we're going to recreate Princess Diana's crossing a minefield. Does that sound interesting? That sounds very cool. <clears throat> and that is awesome. Well, congratulations on that, because that'll definitely bring some heart in People that have some, there you go. There's that conscious giving council we talked about, right? That money is just sitting there. It probably will be gone real soon the way they're handling it, meaning use it to do good, to help people. That's fabulous. Yeah, and, and I can't think of, of any use of money that prevents more suffering than landmine clearance. You know, this this whole children thing and, and how how deep it goes and how wicked it is on a lot of levels and the and the landmine this is a whole little chapter in that whole children's chapter and i don't really know a lot about it i I didn't know anything that you're saying it it is it's amazing that i'm so glad that you're that we've connected and you know you you've published what like 21 articles war correspondence you got to have some guts right to (laughs) Well, I'm walking around with a gun and and armor and stuff, right? Uh, For the landmine clearing, I already know what the uh, what the protective gear is like. I haven't weighed it, but the protective plastic thing, yeah, it feels yeah, it feels like fifteen pounds or more. Mm -hmm. Um, Maybe it's twenty, maybe it's ten, but it feels you're just totally not used to such a thing. The whole the whole outfit is heavy. But on the other hand, uh, if you're wearing it, the odds of of something bad happening to you are very small. Yeah. And the reason why is they're so sophisticated. They've been studying landmine clearing for decades, and their whole academic 
departments that study what's the best way to go about this. Yeah. And, and here's a fact, totally useless, but nevertheless, uh, I asked uh, one of the landmine clearance experts, you know, you're, you're wearing this plastic thing. Uh, couldn't an explosive just go through it and kill you? Yeah. And the answer is, uh, for the most part, no. We know that if an explosive is, say it's, I'm going to be roughly accurate, but don't hold me to precision. But supposing that the thing that you're deactivating is four feet away, they know how fast the uh, the explosive shrapnel moves. And it, I, uh, now again, I'm going to be directionally accurate, if not precisely accurate. By the time it hits your, your, face guard or or your or your body or your hands by the time it hits you it might be traveling at 4000 feet per second um and i just misspoke i think it's like 400 feet per second uh the protective equipment protects you at like 5000 feet per second mm. so if you're wearing the right stuff and you're paying attention uh you're probably going to be okay so probably okay <laughs> well i I'm, I'm told that Landmine clearing people do get killed, but the the most common reason for them to get killed is they stop paying attention. That if you're if you're really paying attention, um, and you can't let your mind wander about what's for dinner or something. Um, <laughs> right. Well, you know, for those of you that are listening on the podcast, you you know, you look at Mitzi and you're very petite. Right. You're very delicate woman, you know, and and to see you with a we're going to we'll have to have you back and we'll have to have some show and tell of what, you know, what you look like and with all of that on and some right. Some live pictures of what you're doing there so we can help help get the word out. But that but, you know, you're so cute and you're so you're so delicate to see this big you know thing on you. And that's, you know, that's the same energy of when we started talking about walking barefoot across the water, walking in faith, not knowing where your food's going to come on. Are you going to, are you going to be run over by a car? Some drunk guy's going to shoot you, right? Or the guy's going to rape you, whatever, right? Okay. Or in my case, that one of those rockets has my name on it. Hello. Or, I mean, yeah, there, there is one rocket, right? Well, you know, I remember in December, I was... I was in Kiev. I, I, I visited other parts of Ukraine, but at the time I'm talking about, I was about to visit a school to find out from kids what it's like to be a student during war. Yeah. And the the there was a policewoman who was accompanying me. She was driving. I don't want to drive in Ukraine traffic. Oh, <laughs> uh, well. So she she was accompanying me, and she took out her cell phone and. She showed me on the screen of the cell phone these little dots. Um, I'm going to guess, I think I saw like 10 of them, and the dots seemed to be coming towards us. And mm -hmm. she said, uh, Kiev, which is where we were, is under attack right now. Uh, this app shows where they came from and where they're heading. And by the way, uh, we can't cross any bridges to get to the to the school because the bridges are all closed, because the the police know that the that the Russians target bridges, and you don't want somebody on a bridge when it's about to yeah. explode. Right. 
Well, so anyway, so there I am sitting in the car listening to this and watching this. And then uh, she says, they've gone over our heads. They're not going to get us. But it's it's a real interesting experience to to know that you're in a, in a city that's under rocket attack. I would think so. And, and I mean... And my first night was spent in a bomb shelter. Welcome. Welcome to Kiev. <laughs> right. Yeah. And, and there was one night, I'm not entirely sure how this happened, but it did. Uh, I don't know if I didn't hear the sirens or, or what, but I wake up in the middle of this night to this enormous, I've tried to think whether I describe it as a thud or a thump. I learned the next day that it was a rocket that had been shot down. So the the rocket, it didn't explode, but it hit the ground close enough to where I was so that I could hear it. Mm. And whether it was a thud or a thump, I don't know, but it's very clear that I heard something that you don't normally hear. Whoa, you're a brave soul there, really. But you know what? What if it's the same faith that enabled you to walk barefoot for years? Because my view is, uh, it comes from Mother Teresa, the good that we can do, we must do. Well, I'm a writer, and I, I've i had 40 years of, of telling stories, and I feel called and honored to write these stories. I'm, I'm really glad. I'm really glad we got to meet. It's almost like we're sort of in parallel universes. Yeah. I think we have the same motives, and, and my view is... Uh, well, it's my view, but I don't want to get my identity about by buying expensive clothes or living in a McMansion. I live in, I live in a fairly middle class uh, apartment building in 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 a in a fairly middle class area of Maryland, uh, maybe lower middle class, uh, and I want to get my identity through service, not through spending. I that you know that's thrilling to me because you know when people hear your bio which which is at the beginning of the show I'm and I you know make that up special for you and and we just went into this show talking but I mean you know you have quite a resume and you could live on the wealth and never do anything and that to me is a testament of where your heart's at because you you know you You've been there, you have that, and that's not that. That's not the success that we have in common is the giving and knowing that you you had a calling. You you're a writer, you're in you're in Ukraine during a war, you're walking on mines, you're doing this whole thing because that's where you're being led. And it doesn't make sense to anybody else around. Everybody might think you're crazy. Well, actually that's true. <laughs> right? You, you know, and, and you might not be popular with the, with the whatever group that has a lot of money. Well, I, I wondered if, if I even dare confess something, which I will confess right now. Okay. Uh, I have a lot of close friends in New York City. I adore them. We've known each other for years. <clears throat> but they're very apt to buy designer clothes. Right. Uh, this costs thousands. Uh, right. For a long time, um, I, that doesn't do anything for me. Uh, I. I don't want to get my identity through uh, through what I put on my back. Exactly. Actually, I would like to be well-dressed, but I just don't want to spend a lot on it. And right. here's the part that I've been wondering whether to confess. 
Okay. Okay. For, for years, I would get clothes uh, on on Amazon. There's some really like what I'm wearing right now. Mm-hmm. Uh, I bet it's forty dollars. I'm very happy with it. Yeah. Mm, stylish, feels good, comfortable. Right. Yeah. Instead of four thousand, I have friends who spend four thousand. But recently, I there's a thrift shop in the local Catholic church, St. Francis, and I bring um, I, I bring them things. You know, I weed my closet or, or things that that other people might buy that I no longer need. Right. And then uh, just recently, I tried on some jeans that were two dollars. <laughs> they fit gloriously. They were already broken in. Why should I spend? I don't know, $50 for jeans when these $2 jeans just seem great. So, Missy Perdue, heiress to the Sheraton chain, uh, <laughs> widow of Frank Perdue, uh, occasionally will wear <laughs> And I also fly economy. And um, I suspect that some people hearing this will say, oh, is she ever ex- uh, eccentric? But my view is I would... By by going like economy to my next trip, I always go economy. But it, first class is ten thousand. Economy is like twelve hundred. Mm-hmm. All that extra money I can spend on mind clearing. That's exactly you know that's that's what we have in common because you know you I feel the same way. And in fact, some of the brands was like I don't even know if I want to be associated with them, even though they're name brands. <laughs> right. By, by now, I feel that way because it's uh, it's yeah. not a status symbol to me to to mm-hmm. spend a thousand dollars in a dress when I'm just as happy with forty. I mean, okay, let me back up. Okay. Uh, if if there's a super great occasion uh, where it really matters, oh. Uh, I'd spend the money, but short of that, nope. And what is wrong with that? It, it it's almost like you're you're you know each one of us is given a little pile of you know what of treasure, and it's how you're using the treasure. It's not you have more treasure than I do, but how are you going to use that? You know whether it's you know multi millions or it's a hundred thousand or it's a hundred or it's a dollar, you know that. There's a story about that. I can't recall it, but it's pretty much like the, you know, the one, I think it was the three widows or something. And one, all she had was this little bit. Oh, the widow's might. The widow's might, right. And that that giving for her was like, that was the multi-million dollar gift, right? Where the yes. person that had it all, huh, you know, I could you know, lose a few million. It won't really affect me. And that was part of, in my experience, and I didn't know that I was, quote, in the 1%, you could say, right? And having everything and, you know, born in Silicon Valley and that whole thing. Oh, well. Right. Opertola Valley. And, and, and my brilliant daddy, bless his heart, you know, who studied with Einstein. And that's. <gasps> really? Yeah. Wow. My dad was a genius. And we're going to write his book, too. But. You know, my family walked across Europe. That's what. So was was he? He was in computers then. He was in a t- non-destructive atomic uh, nuclear before they turned it into the atomic bomb. So wow. he was he was at Caltech. At, awesome, right? And he 
I'm going, my daddy went to MIT. Okay. All right. See, we have, I bet you we know you might even, you know, been around some same places. And, you know, we, he built his house in Portola Valley, the most beautiful place around. And so I was blessed to grow up. And I really didn't know that other people weren't living like I lived. I had everything I wanted. We went around the world when I was, you know, seven years old and uh-huh. you know, had all these really wonderful experiences. And and then when I started like coming back in, you know, coming into the world and seeing, wow, you know, not that's what living the life of Christ and faith and 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 walking down the road in faith and seeing that, wow, how people really are living. It, and going into their houses and oh, some of them are really creepy, you know, really. But this is where the people are to come down to where the people are. You say down, no up or down, but come into where people are was a reality check for me. I didn't know I was wealthy or one percent, but I knew that I had a blessing. And then that showed me like you going into Ukraine, like, OK, how can you use your writing your your notability, you know, who you are to help these children, right? Nobody even knows it, it, To me, it gives right? life meaning. Uh, I mean, yes. I'm, happy. I'm as happy as I know how to be because there you go. I'm doing something that I really care about and hope I can contribute to. And I'm doing something else that I've just, um, well, allow, permission to boast, please. Go for it. <laughs> Thank you. Yes. Uh, I don't know if you've mentioned this, but I sold of a famous and historic ring at, at auction for $1.2 million with every penny of it going to Ukraine. Mm. And five, yeah, some of it's used for mine clearing, some for a woman's shelter. But one of them is to to pay for five police speedboats. Mm. Why is that important? Well, yeah. because a lot of human trafficking happens uh, on the winters. Uh, 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 and uh, the, the police speedboats were confiscated uh, so I'm replacing them, but that means that I get to name them, and I decided to name them after foreign fighters who believed so much in justice and democracy, and really the light that they gave their lives. So the five speedboats are being named after five foreign fighters from Japan, Brazil, Netherlands, France, and the United States. And I'm wow. That's so cool. And I'm, yeah, and I'm writing. Uh, tribute books, bo- sorry, not books, booklets, like 2,000 words uh, on the lives of each of these people mm. and you know, interviewing like their, their parents, their uncle, siblings, and the stories of people. You know, you and I make s- sacrifices, you huge ones, me little ones, but can you imagine believing in justice so much that you give your life for it? I know. Yeah. And and so to me, the greatest honor I can think of is that I get to write these people's uh, tributes and that the, the tributes will be given to the families, but also to the press that will be present at the at the opening ceremony of the of the inauguration of the five boats. And then I have a friend from uh, who has connections with the Associated Press who says that he'll do whatever he can to have press releases about the sacrifices of these five people known throughout the world. That's fabulous. You know, it almost, it almost shocks me, but it doesn't because of how controlled the media is. But I would think that you would be really out there. I mean, that more people would know about what you're doing. 
question has a right. I haven't tried to be public about it. Because okay. um, frankly, I, I'm indifferent. Uh, okay. That's that's not my motivation, unless mm-hmm. um, you know, to the extent that it might encourage other people to do something similar. I'm okay with with publicity, but it's it it's not a great big turn on. You're not trying, you know, because every most people in the world are trying to be successful or trying to be. I'm a giver. I'm helpful. Or right. As a matter of fact, um, I I can think of um, somebody who's in the press an awful lot, who I think is, I mean, my personal opinion is that this woman, and to some extent her husband, are great big fakes because they try to get all the publicity for for being humanitarian. But what have they done? What have they really contributed? Right. I I bet we know who I'm talking about. I know who you're talking about. Uh, should, should, should I be specific or will everybody get it? Mm, I don't think everybody will get it. It's totally up to you. Um, you know, I don't, I don't really get political in this thing, but you're welcome to say whatever you want. Um, I, th- okay. I, I actually, I just should not name them. I think there's a few of them. So you can leave them, the names off because, because it is on YouTube. It's, you know. <laughs> okay. Well, anybody who, who, is in business to get accolades without delivering anything. Um, I don't admire them a whole lot. Okay, well, I think there's a few of those in there. So, but and I can think of a few husbands and wives that are like that. That are oh, no, there's that. Yeah, but both. But the actually, point- I okay. It's a. I, I will give a clue. It's a couple, and I actually follow them fairly closely mm-hmm. because I want an example of what not to do. Right, right, and that. And that's what this is about, is to have the conversation to show, you know, utmost faith, because it does take faith, right, for you to go out there. It does. Well, I think I have perfect faith as far as as my life, because if the good Lord wants me, uh, I'm ready. Although I definitely (laughs) prefer that it would be 20 years from now. There you go. We're going to live to 120 in good health. That that, that would work. (laughs) As long as we have our, our assignment. And sure, a lot to do, but it really does a lot. It really goes a lot faster when like-minded people connect. And I think that's what's happening. I do think the world is, you know, we're in revelations and it's, you know, one system is shakening and, and it's awakening for people to decide who, who they want to help, who, if they want, you know, good and the war between good and evil but as that one thing shakes away, I do think there will be peace on earth and heaven on earth. How can you say that? I, that's what I believe. And so on that way, we're in a journey of ultimate faith and we have an assignment. And and I just trust that I'm going to meet this perfect person that'll be the next part, that'll bring in the next part. Because I don't. it isn't like there's some goal other than using the gift as much as we can to help others in your gift of writing already puts you in that position and finding out things that a lot of people don't know about and people benefit from knowing. Right. And that, and the princess Diana and the Netflix will take you. I'm sure they take that whole conversation to another level. Hopefully. Wait, you know what? I, I, it occurs to me so? that, well, it occurs to me that, that I need to clarify the princess Diana and the halo trust thing. Uh, it will be filmed by Netflix, and I will be there. But here's here's what I what I need to add to it to have the story be complete. Uh, 
Julia Hart is the star of the Netflix series, My Unorthodox Life. And Julia Hart, uh, she has an audience of 69 million people in 192 countries and 32 languages. Is that not nice? Well, there you go. <laughs> okay, well, I was telling her about going to Ukraine, and then I said, why don't you come? And she said, yes. And then she asked uh, whoever her producer or whatever authority she goes to, uh, can we have a film crew come to Ukraine and uh, see the landmine clearance? Uh, and they said, yes. And so, you know, I'm, I'm not going to count on it until it actually happens because right. there's so many things that yeah. could derail it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But the recreation of Diana walking through the landmine will with, be with Julia Hart, not with me. But it's still a recreation of, of Diana, um, and it, it it will get a lot of publicity for a cause I care about. That's fabulous. Oh, I'm glad you clarified, but it really is you in a sense, right? It well, I think it wouldn't happen. It wouldn't have happened if if I hadn't asked Julia, there you, you want to do this? And and I don't care whether it's her or me. In fact, I guess I prefer that it's her because yeah. Uh, well, because she's popular and will be much more influential. So it, the cause is better served that it's her. And by the way, I heard I heard a little piece of inside gossip, trivial pursuit kind of thing. But a lot of the world saw Diana walking through a minefield. Uh, do you know that they had to do it twice? Because the first time it, the, the film wasn't quite right. <laughs> oh, dear. <laughs> Really? I thought that was such a cool story that, yeah. you know, it's a little bit dangerous to walk through this thing. Yeah. She didn't and then you have to go do it again. She didn't have all that protection on, right? She had some, but I don't think she had anything near where oh, they I, have today. I want to see you in, in yours for sure. That is that is so exciting. Now, we we've I don't quite know how you wanted to weave in because this is all just spontaneous, but your cool flow here. You're unveiling the success secrets, right? You were talking about chicken soup for the soul, right? Remember that? And and I just wanted to get why did you pick that title? What what is it in that that resonated with you? I'm I'm sure you were one of the co-authors, right? Oh, here's a story. I wrote a story. Oh, let's see. It came out about oh about half a year ago. I wrote a biography of Mark Victor Hansen, who is a co-author of Chicken Soup for the Soul. So what I did was I, I wrote a biography of him and in the process shared some of the principles that made Chicken Soup for the Soul a success. And here's how successful it was. That book is in the Guinness Book of World's Records for selling more copies, or I guess copies, than any other nonfiction book ever. Half what? a billion. Are you kidding me? That's amazing, Mitzi. You're just well. I mean, I'm I'm writing about a guy who did it, but but I do tell how he did it. And here's right. here's here's one of the things that that really sets him apart. Success did not drop in his lap. He mm -hmm. and his co-author Jack Kenfield, right? They had this idea for a book that would encourage people, people who are going through tough times and have kind of a shining light of people who've gotten through tough times and moved yeah. on or, or gotten past them. You know, a book that was uplifting and encouraging and spiritual. So they wrote this book, convinced that they had something that would really 
I mean, I'm saying this, it's it's my words, not theirs, but yeah. kind of boiling it down, that they had a book that was going to benefit humanity. And again, this is my words, not theirs, but I, I do think it boils down to that. So they really believed in their book. They went to several publishers, turned down. They hired a super expensive, important agent who would open doors, you would think, to the biggest publishing companies in the world. Um, after like three or four months, the agent fired them because he said this 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 book's a dud, it'll never sell. For I think it was 14 months, they did everything they could to to find a publisher, and they were turned down 143 times. Right. The 144th time, uh, it was a little no-name publisher who said, Yeah, hey, I kind of like these stories. I bet it could sell 20,000. Instead, it sold right. 500 million copies. Right. You, you know, that that would be a, a definitely, that, that is, that's the story right there that we've been talking about. That's like the thread of the conversation. And he had faith and hmm. persistence. Faith and persistence. And what was, what's the title of the book that you wrote about? Uh, what I wrote was, uh, Mark Victor Hansen of Relentless. Relentless. And, and Mark Victor Hansen, he's a very spiritual guy. He gives away 10% of anything that he makes. Yeah. Um, and he's very often, uh, he speaks at churches. He, he right. gives his sermons all, right. over the, all over the country. I, I was blessed to meet him and Jack Canfield in several really? when I was publishing my book. And yeah. What I, they were so authentic, you know, when I went and talked to them personally and, you know, not, and like you, you, people can be in the arrogance of their wealth, their arrogance of who they know, or the arrogance of, look at what I did. You know where you get your blessings and you, and you, you know, recognition is ignition, right? <laughs> and it takes the ego away because. I don't think Mark Victor has much ego. I think he's just there to serve. That's what I'm saying. That's that's what I'm saying. That that's what I got from him. Oh, and there's there's a little something that nobody would know if I didn't go spill the beans. But okay, spill the beans. All right. So so I wrote the book. I spent 18 hours a day on it, just in a wow. fit writing. Yeah. I got the whole thing done in like three months, and wow. uh, I yeah with fear and trembling, and I've never taken a Valium, but I needed ten. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I showed it to him, waiting for him to hate half of it. Yeah, he didn't, he didn't change a comma. Wow! And and there were people who had negative things to say about him, but he was fine. He he just wanted the whole story. Beautiful. That's really I thought that was just unthinkably big. I mean, you've got to have an enormous amount of humility. Yeah, to not want to change everything. Right. Right, because it's the story about you, right? Your ego. That's yeah. beautiful. That's really beautiful. That's really nice to know that personal intimate with him too. Because when I met, everything was just real fast, and it was just a feeling that I got from a quick meeting. And but that's well, I think that's a solid connection there too. Okay, but you're right because that's who he is. He's yeah. he's unpretentious, and he's much more interested in helping you than telling you how wonderful he is. I don't think I ever heard him say a single word that was yeah. ego-filled. Yeah. 
I mean, I found him extremely easy to get along with and just an awesome person. Yeah. That's beautiful. Mitzi, we have so much to talk about. and We've already gone through an hour here. And so we're just going to, let's continue this conversation and see how we can connect more and help each other more. And um, I want to see. I'd love that. And and please, in the show notes, uh, remind people to go to donorsc.com forward slash Ukraine. Yeah, say, say that again. Uh, go to. Oh, yeah, I went real fast, didn't I? Donor, like giver, D-O-N-O-R. D-O-N-O-R. Then C, S-E-E, like I see you. So donorc.com. Okay. And then forward slash the country Ukraine. Okay. And this is going to help. The funds will go to? Uh, every penny will. Actually, I'm matching the first 100000 So. If, if you give twenty dollars, you've really given forty, and um, that's going to help for the landmines and yeah, it will go to the Halo Trust, which the is Halo the Halo Trust. Okay. Yeah, it's the oldest and largest uh, landmine clearance uh, organization in the world, or yeah. charity in the world. Right. And the goal is to pay for eighteen. It's going to be women, eighteen women who will be clearing landmines for half a year. That it Fabulous. Will that's fabulous. And I, I think we should do a little series on that. I just think it's so such a beautiful, beautiful story. It needs, I'm sure you're documenting it and everything. But. Well, do you know what I'm doing? I decided um, permission to boast again. Here okay. goes. We've just been talking you're about permission. humility and, and not having ego and I'm blowing it. But here goes. No, no, no. Um, okay. Okay. Here's, here's how I'm spending a chunk of my time between now and when I leave for Ukraine again. Oh, I'm trying to learn videography as fast as I can. Perfect. Um, I've, I've got a good camera and I'm learning about good. long shots and close shots and Dutch shots. Do you know what a Dutch shot is? No. It's when your camera is just at a slight angle okay. and you you can't, it's, it's terrible to overuse it. But supposing that I'm walking into a minefield yeah. and you could just have a wide angle of the whole field or, or an extreme close-up showing the landmine. Mm-hmm. But a Dutch shot is the camera is just slightly tilted, and that will tell you subconsciously, ooh, something's wrong. It's menacing. Yeah. And so I'm learning all these little tricks to to try to be the best videographer of what I see. Fabulous. Because up to now, I've been a writer. Right. But the world is more and more visual, and it seems to me in 2023 that that's a skill worth trying yes. to get yes. better. Yes, especially for what you're seeing, and that'll really make it go viral faster. Well, I hope so. I hope yes. so. Yes. Yeah, so I definitely want to see all that for sure. Be part of it, and oh, and people who uh, who who make a donation, a five dollar donation, will get you this. Uh, but I wouldn't mind a hundred dollars, whatever. Donorc.com, D-O-N-O-R-S-E-E.com. Everybody, make sure, make sure to give up your Starbucks today or whatever it is. Throw some help, help the folks out here. And this is fabulous. Make sure. Let me tell you what they'll get if they do. What? What? Okay, if they if they make even a five dollar donation to Donorc.com forward slash Ukraine. Okay. um, I've committed, I, I, I'm not going to, it, it's slightly started, but when I really get going, uh, I will have once a week, 
a video like 90 seconds showing some new amazing thing with landmine clearance. Like there's this robotic dog called Spot that can sniff and see mm. uh, landmines and it, it can just gallop across the field. Or there are drones that will map and they can see. Or there, there are these, there are these robots that uh, can remotely dismantle a landmine. There you there's, go. Yeah, that's all this really cool stuff. Yeah, that sounds better than you doing it. <laughs> well, yes, <laughs> that's fabulous. I am so excited for you. You all make sure that you subscribe because we're going to have Mitzi back. We're going to have a continuing story here to see how, how this unfolds and share pictures with you and stories. And Mitzi, I don't want to stop. So that's what we have to, and we'll, but we will come back. And any final notes you want to share with everybody? Yeah, you're a fabulous interviewer. I've really enjoyed this. Wow. Thank you. That now that's an honor. I, I you made my day. See, <laughs> right there, <laughs> really. Well, again, make sure that you go and and you say it because you say it much better. Donor okay. C, donor like giver. Donor C like I see you. Donor C dot com forward slash Ukraine. There you go. Perfect. And by the way, I'll see it because uh, they, they list everybody who makes a donor list, makes a donation unless you choose to be anonymous. But don't be anonymous and tell me that uh, where you heard about it. And, and I'll write you back. I write everybody who makes a donation. I write them a thank you letter. You're so sweet. Beautiful. Well, thank you so much for being here, Mitzi. It's a real honor. And we will. We won't really say goodbye. We will just sit. We'll just pause till we, we meet again here. A deal. I've loved every second of it. Thank you. Thank you. There's so much to learn about healthy money. I hope today's discussion brings you one step closer to securing and protecting your future. So you can get started on the right foot. Go to meetwithchrismeller.com and schedule your free financial fitness strategy session. Thank you for listening and please subscribe to Money 911 so you don't miss our next episode, which includes health, wealth, and peace of mind. Inside of all